Moncrief on News Talk. Now, name any TV celebrity you like, and Edward Oldfield has probably appeared on more TV shows than them. Over the past two decades or so, he's appeared as a contestant in over 50 of them. Edward, good afternoon to you. Hello, Sean. How are you? Not too bad. What was the very first show you appeared on? The very first one was Come Dine With Me, and that came about because I fancied going on the restaurant, which you might well know, but uh, I realised I can't cook, so Come Dine With Me was the first show. And uh, really, that was a bit of a fluke because I I had my own shop at the time, a cafe, and I thought, well, this will be good for business, and it certainly was. Uh, And that was it, really. I thought, I've been there, done it, move on, enjoy the rest of my life. But uh, it ended up being voted uh, the funniest ever episode of all time by readers of the Radio Times, and I suppose that was just it then. I thought, is this my new career? Yeah, and and the, the, to actually even get on Come Dine With Me, was that, was that, do you have to go through some sort of selection process? How does that work? Oh, absolutely, yes. You audition for the show. So I remember I saw the advert was pinned up on a notice board in the cafe. Obviously, a, a casting team had been round, and uh, so I applied for it. And I think like every stage, you don't think you're going to hear back, and then that uh, the phone starts ringing. And uh, you go through an audition process. And it's one of those, really, uh, Sean, where I had to sort of blag it a little bit because I can't cook. Uh, and and uh, there's an old adage that uh, the funny ones never win on Come Down With Me, do they? And I think I certainly fitted into that mould. So a bit of blagging went on. But I think if you want to do something like that, you know, have a laugh. Take, don't take it too seriously. Uh, enjoy yourself. And, and that's what I did. And that's why I was successful. Right. And, and as, I, as I understand, you use frozen vegetables for when you were cooking, which is, of course, you know, uh, um, a travesty <laughs> on, on Come Down With Me. <laughs> well, I think, I think what the, the point I was making is, is that, say, for example, you go into the Ivy, Marco Pierre White has decided to grace us with his company that day cooking the food. He's not going to be sat out the back, is he, Sean, chopping up a few carrots and peeling vegetables. So in the same way that he has a commissaire, I had Morrison's did my vegetables for me and pre-prepared them, and I just did the final touches. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and uh, how did your guests, uh, did they know they were frozen before you served them, or, or did you tell them at some point during the evening? Well, I'll put, put it this way. I came last, Sean. So if ever you watch the programme, I've spoilt it oh. for you now, but you, you can enjoy the rest of it. But, but what was interesting is if they'd actually uh, judged the competition based on how many how many empty plates there were after each evening, then I would have won. So funnily enough, it might have been frozen. It might have been what you might get served up at school. It might have been blended together. Uh, but it went down very well and everybody enjoyed it and I lost. So how does that work? I don't know. But if if you... So you were ejected first from the competition, I suppose. Is, is, no, is, no, is what happened... You're, you got no. the lowest amount of points. I got the lowest amount of points, that's right. But I only found out at the end of that, at the end of the week. And I think it was quite disappointing because I actually thought... Do you know what? I'm, I, I, I've got the thousand pound. I said to the wife, "You can have the Louise uh, Vuitton handbag. You can have the the Hoover with the ball, uh, and you can get yourself a new, a new dress as well." And then when the, the, the scores came out, and I came last, I was like, "What? Not even second? Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't get all those things for a thousand pound, Edward. But uh, the, is it is it because do you think maybe was it the food, or was there kind of personality clashes there with the other contestants? Well, I don't know really. I mean, you'd have to be the judge yourself. But uh, I, I, for the episode to be voted the funniest of all time, then either I was very funny or the other three contestants were very funny. Uh, but you know, you go in the, you go in these things for a laugh. And I think it was the reception to it that people said, you know what? 
Uh, it was brilliant. It was funny. But you were just being yourself. And I think that's what I said to people. Be yourself on television. And I, I suppose going back, I used to have quite a good career. And I described myself as Mr. Big off Sex in the City, apart from the fact that I didn't go home at night to see Carrie Bradshaw. And, and when you're working in a job like that, where you wear a suit, you're going around the country, uh, you have to be polite, you have to be courteous, you have to, you have to, nobody wants to see you because you're always setting new targets or cutting budgets. And I just think like, you know, you can go on television and be yourself. And it's so much fun. There's nowhere else in the world where they say, Edward, keep talking, do some more talking, you know, be opinionated, be controversial. Uh, and, and it's absolutely great fun. Yeah. And I say to people, you know, when, when, when people leave university, they think, oh, uh, you know, I want to go around the world. I want to discover myself, see who I really am. I said, well, just go and come down with me and be yourself. And you'll, when you watch it back, you'll soon realise who you are. Just, uh, <laughs> just be aware you might not like the person you actually see. <laughs> So then, so then, after come down with me, was it the case that it wasn't necessarily you were seeking out appearances, but television producers were regularly emailing you? Yeah, it just, I just landed on my feet. I think it was that survey that took place when it, all of a sudden it was the funniest episode of all time. Then I think it got traction because other TV producers said, "Hang on a minute, what's this episode with me?" So they start to watch it. Uh, it was about eighteen months after the email started coming through, but obviously I had my children to look after, my family. And, and you sort of you, you think, well, I've been there, done that. What a nice little thing to do. But then you start thinking to yourself, hang on a minute, you can make money going on television. If I go on Tipping Point, and that was the next show it is, you can win ten thousand pounds. Yeah. So I suppose like a gambling man, I started placing my chips on the uh, roulette board, uh, but they've never come up. I always put down on black, and it comes up red, or vice versa. And I think, Sean, just you know, just one more program, one more program, and I've counted it up. I'm on fifty two now, and I've not won a penny. God, that's unfortunate. Why, why, why do you think? You is, it, me? is it just just bad luck? Do you think, or, or, or some other factor? Uh, well, I, do you know what? I think it, I think I think there's an element of bad luck, and I think you know sometimes I think I get put on these shows more because of my personality than my general knowledge. And uh, you know, if somebody rang, rings me up one day and says we're going to do a dating program for people that are a bit thick, then that, that'd be that'd be my show, wouldn't it? I'd have to divorce the wife first, but I think that's where I'd win some money. Uh, but you know, but it, it, I don't know. I suppose it's just one of those things where. You look back and it, it, it creeps upon you. Uh, mm. As the wife said to me, she said, you know, do you not think you should be giving up on all this television? You're never going to win. Just put yourself out of your misery. And it was that point that we started counting up how many shows it was. And I thought, goodness me, I think you're probably right. Either either I carry on, as I'm doing now, Sean, and, and, and as we well know, linear TV seems to be dying. Everybody's watching things online. You know, John Logie Baird invented the television. I, I think I'll be the person that turns the transmitter off in 20 or 30 years' time when people stop watching it. It'll just be me on TV. <laughs> now, whilst you never won any money, uh, no. as I understand, you do have an elephant costume that you got uh, during your spell on uh, Ninja Warrior UK. Yes, I did. And that was a funny one because the phone call came through for Ninja Warrior UK and I said, "Have you got the right person here?" Because I'm not very sporty, me. And they said, "Well, have you ever watched the program?" And I said, "Yes." Uh, and they said, "Well, we usually get somebody to dress up as a as, as a clown or something and make a fool of himself." And at that point, I realised, "Yes, okay, yes, I fit the mould." And and uh, they gave me this uh, elephant costume that I wore on on the set of uh, Come Down with Me. Uh, sorry, the big part. I'm getting mixed up here on the set of uh, Ninja Warrior. But what was funny, Sean, is here's little old me that just turns up, always the bridesmaid, never the bride, and we were. Uh, just warming up, getting ready to go on the assault course, and I was with three celebrities. So I was with uh, 
Melvin Adoom, Ricky Williams from both from Radio uh, One in the UK, and also Laura Crane that was on Love Island. Mm. So they were still with me at the start of the uh, assault course, doing all the stretches and doing the twerk and everything to get ready. So I, I did a few star jumps just to make look make it look as though I'm professional. And somebody came out from the audience and asked for a photo of me with his son. And I said, well, hang on a minute. Those three there, they're the celebrities, not me. Uh, and he turned around and he said, yeah, but I don't recognise them three, but I recognise you. Ha! So, Sean, I've, I've arrived. <laughs> yes, you have. There you go. Yeah. Now, also, you've been on Britain's Got Talent twice in 2016 right, and yeah. 2017. Yeah, so 2017, both, yeah. both those times, I assume they're not just like, you know, saying, Edward, will you come on? That you must have to go through a process. To demonstrate well, you do some that. You know, it's, one of, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? I think it's like New York, isn't it? It's so good that they, they, they call me back twice. Well, yeah, you go on and then you stood in front of the judges uh, and, and it's quite a terrifying experience, to be honest. If ever you've done anything like stand-up comedy, it's, it's brutal. It is ruthless. Uh, but again, sometimes you put yourself out there, you think, you know, it's like Carl Douglas when he had that number one hit of Kung Fu Fighting and people said, you only ever did one song, you only ever, you only ever had one number one. But he turned around and said, yeah, but at least I did it. And that's what I can say to people. Have you been on Britain's Got Talent? They go, no. And I said, well, I've been on twice. Yeah. You know, can't beat that, can you? And, and, and were they kind to you at all? Well, I, I, I've got to, it's one of those things where, to be honest, uh, if you watch the uh, YouTube video of the most recent series, I think they've dropped, obviously, the previous series from YouTube, but you can still catch uh, the 2017 appearance that I made. Uh, yes, I got buzzed by four buzzers, but actually uh, Amanda Holden pressed uh, Simon's buzzer, and then when they've edited it, it looks like he's pressed it. So uh, I take consolation, Sean. It's his programme. He's the star of Britain's Got Talent. Simon never actually buzzed me. So, you know, he's still going the show. You never know. I might appear on it again. You never know. And, and, Third you know, time lucky. Uh, and, uh, and the judges, you know, uh, on Britain's Got Hand, do you meet them afterwards? Do they come round and shake your hand and say, you know, sorry about that or any of that kind of thing? Well, they don't actually. No, oh. it's very much, it's very, it's very much like still on television, apart from Stephen Mulhern. I mean, he was great fun because before I went on, we did a, a sketch for Britain's Got More Talent. And uh, Stephen Mulhern gave me a piggyback to the stage. So literally, as I approach the stage, I jump off his back, then Anton Deck greet me, and you're straight on the stage. It's very, very fast how it happens. Uh, but Stephen gave me a little pep talk at the end, and I suppose uh, my wife's got him to blame for me carrying on because he said, look, you know, the, the judges don't always get it right. You know, sometimes it's just about, as Bruce Forsyth said, you know, the audience wasn't as good as last week, uh, and, you, and you sort of stick at it. And like I say, like the uh, person that goes to the bookies all the time, I'll keep waiting for that elusive win, and then I can put it all to bed and retire. But I suppose I've got the book. That's the other problem. Yeah. And now, you also did, and I assume you were paid for this, you did an advert for Heineken. I did. And do you know what? Everybody wants to talk about Britain's Got Talent. Uh, but Heineken, yes, I did a Heineken advert, which was called Worlds Apart, which uh, pitted three pairs against each other. So... I was a climate change sceptic and I was opposite somebody who was very pro-climate change. And it's quite funny on the advert because you'll see him and he goes, we're not doing enough to tackle climate change. And there he is with a big coat on. I think, well, hang on a minute. You know, if, if climate change is such a big issue, why have you got your coat on? Well, the advert was about bringing people together. And I remember doing the advert thinking, oh, well, this is a bit of a, a, bit of a flop. You know, I'm, I'm good at finding flops. And it went out. But it went out in 2017 at a time when Pepsi Cola did an advert with Kendall Jenner, which got such a backlash oh, yeah. that the Heineken advert took off and it went global. Three billion people have actually watched that advert and me jumping around the screen. Uh, and to this day, you know, people say about that advert, 
I mean, we had we had even the president of the United States of America at the time tweeted on the advert saying that of that climate change skeptic, you know, you need to watch this guy. So uh, whether that's a good thing, a good endorsement or not, that was Donald know, Trump to, gave you that. Th- that was Donald Trump. Yes, yeah. it was. And he didn't offer you, know, you a job. He might be re-elected, you know, Edward. Uh, I, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I can have some of his Twitter followers when he gets his back, you know, that'd be great. But yeah. apart from that, you know. <laughs> now, but yeah, th- it, just, it was so marvellous to do something like that. And they say, uh, you know, it, it was one that then got to, so it's online, the advert. You can watch it online. It's like quite a, about a four-minute documentary. But then they cut it down to 20 seconds of just me jumping around the screen uh, like I was on Ninja Warrior. And, and, you know, at one time, you couldn't turn on First Dates or other programmes without me popping up on the screen. And it's bizarre, little old me sat in my little uh, three-bedroom three, three bedroom semi in the north of England, and there I am on this uh, 21-inch screen TV. Yeah, isn't that mad? Now, ap- yeah. apart from being a climate change sceptic, you're, uh, you're, you're also not a big fan of plastic surgery, but you were a judge in a plastic surgery show. Incredible. This was with Caroline Flack, and it was called the surgery. And I was heading up a panel of judges. I mean, this sounds repugnant, so I've got to say, but you know, somebody will come in and say, "I fancy having a, a nose job, or I want liposuction," uh, and then uh, in ten minutes I make a decision, and we have a vote, and you know, like a jury, and you say yes or no. I mean, surgeons, Sean, train for years and years and years, don't they? And, and uh, then they have to qualify in the pre-reg years and everything. Uh, I qualified to, to judge on plastic surgery in about twenty minutes, you know, with a discussion with the producers. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the thing is, <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? Little old me, where did this all happen? I started out and come down with me, and now I should be working on Harley Street, London. You should. But what I will say about that is, it, it was incredible. We had some incredible moments there. I mean, it was uh, compulsive viewing, and um, we had one guy uh, that wouldn't leave the house because he had a slightly crooked nose. We had a, a, a lady had some protruding ears that came to her hair, and she, she she said that I can't go swimming with my kids. I feel based up conscious. I go home and I see photos of me at school, how I used to look, and I don't like it. A guy that lost uh, so much weight that uh, an old pair of trousers he had, he could fit in one trouser leg and his wife in the other. And he wanted, obviously, corrective surgery to make his body look right. And I think what that programme taught me is that whatever you see is not how people feel inside. Yeah. And if you bump your car, Sean, you don't drive around with a bumper hanging off. You'll go and get it repaired in the body shop. But we don't do it ourselves. We've still got that hang-up about plastic surgery. And I think I was brought on in part as the head jury because I was so against plastic surgery. I thought it was just uh, you're born how you are and you should accept how you are. Uh, and I look at people like Dolly Parton, I think she's had that much plastic surgery that when she uh, finally passes away, they won't know whether to put her in a coffin or the blue bin for plastic recycling. It just goes too far. But actually what you realise with that programme is we could make people's lives so much better. And also we were sharing their experiences with other people and saying, you know, you're not alone, um, but understanding that we can... Uh, uh, be better people by better understanding people's hang-ups. And it just makes you a better person, I think, yeah. uh, when you watch programs like that. And certainly for me, it was a journey of discovery where I thought, you know what, to the wife, yeah, why don't you have your boobs bumped up, your, your bum reduced and whatever. <laughs> no, I was only joking about that. <laughs> yeah, George, you was enthusiastic <laughs> when you made that suggestion. Uh, what's left for you, Edward? What show is, I, I mean, Traitors might be an interesting one, Naked Attraction. Uh, how do well, I feel I about what, that? I, well, I'd have to get divorced first, Sean, for naked okay. attraction. But right. being naked wouldn't stop me going on television, don't you worry. If you see me and come down with me, I virtually bear it all. Uh, but I think the problem that, that you've got with anything like uh, the traitors is you are away from home 
for quite a period of time. So it's one of those where it makes me laugh when I see people saying about the traitors and they go, well, I went on the traitors because I, I'm doing it for my family. This is for my family. And I think you've just spent two months away from them. You can hardly be prioritising your family. So, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't rule anything out. Um, you know, I think certainly the traitors looks interesting. The Apprentice is one that people keep telling me uh, oh, that yeah. I should be on. Uh, yeah. But I reckon, you know, Gogglebox is another one. I mean, I probably am the most qualified TV critic there is. You know, that would be a good one for me to do. But Bargain Hunt is uh, a great show because that's where you go to a flea market, you buy a bit of old tass and then you sell it at an auction. You're given £200 to start with. Uh, nobody ever wins anybody on it, but you're judged and, and you, you are become a winner by being the team that loses the least money. Well, Sure. Uh, based on my track record of never winning any money, then that's probably a program. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be the champion of champions. You'll romp home on that one, Edward. An absolute joy to speak to you today. Uh, best of luck with your continuing adventures in television. That was Edward o- uh, Oldfield there, uh, and as you heard, uh, Edward telling us there, more than fifty uh, uh, separate TV shows uh, he's appeared on uh, over the years. Uh, the, someone's texting to say he called himself Mr. Big. Mr. Big is dead. That's true. Uh, I don't think he meant it in the dead sense, more in the big sense. And uh, someone else, some uh, another observant uh, listener, or I don't know, what's the aural version of observant? Uh, not a lot of people know this, but Edward's episode of Come Dine With Me was voted the funniest episode of all time. Funny he didn't mention that. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.